Welcome back to Rockstock Channel. It is Friday, February 17th, and we have Ron Mitchell, the Managing Director of Global Lithium, with us today with a hot-off-the-presses scoping study out earlier this week. We're going to cover that, and Rodney is going to go into some technical detail and, and questions about that and just the broader development of your core projects. And, and I'll talk a little bit about background, you know, Ron, and, and I'll start with just you know, some questions. Ron, we've known you, I don't know, a year or two. We've observed you, met you when you were at Tangshi you know, over the years at Fast Markets and, and other conferences. But you joined, I guess, first as a board member of Global Lithium sometime last year or the year before, and then as MD, you know, last year, if you could just take us through a little bit about your background, why you left, you know, Tangshi and to head a junior and why this project in particular attracted you and then the, the trajectory in terms of capital raises and what milestones you've hit over the course of the past, uh, I think, 18 months or so since you've, you've been involved with the company. Yeah, sure. Howard, Rodney, look, great pleasure to be here and great to connect again. In fact, we first met in Santiago back in uh, 2019 for a fast market conference. So it's been uh, been a few years. Look, just by way of background, yeah, I've been in the sector 13 years now. First uh, sort of started my lithium journey at, at Talison Lithium, working in a forward-facing sales and marketing role, selling lithium concentrates into global markets. Um, the lion's share, of course, went into China for conversion into a whole range of downstream lithium chemicals. The world was a different place back then, as you know, Howard, and, and probably only less than 5% of the total lithium in the form of chemicals found its way into the rechargeable battery sector. So that was a really small sector. It was mainly industrial applications back in those days. And I still recall the first time we we made a sale at 300 US dollars a tonne. It was um, a big night of celebration. So uh, the world's come a long way since then. So look, I was with Talison four and a half years, and interestingly, you know, the Australian investors didn't have an appetite for, for lithium at all. It was considered far too boutique back in those days. So Talison actually had to run across to the TSX to get any um, investor exposure. So we were listed on the TSX at that time, and obviously were approached by Avamar, uh, Rockwood Holdings at the time, who acquired the company. Tianchi made a second bid, and ultimately were successful acquiring the company back in sort of midway through 2014. And then they brought Avamal in as, as a joint venture partner in 2015. So that was an opportunity for, I knew the Tianchi team very well, knew the chairman personally very well. So great opportunity to, to move on the downstream side of the business, having worked on the upstream side for many years, developed some really wonderful relationships and um, yeah, worked for Tianchi in a global sales and marketing role, setting up a, a team based out of Perth. We had members in Shanghai and also in Chengdu. And it was really through that role how I developed some incredible networks, downstream counterparties selling lithium chemicals and not just lithium chemicals, also some other derivative lithium products, for example, lithium metal uh, into global markets. And most of those sales, of course, by that stage, were going to the electric vehicle and, and rechargeable battery industry. So it was also through that role, it developed a good uh, good relationship with the LME and they were doing a lot of active marketing, looking to bring, bring into play uh, a future cash settled uh, contract. For, for lithium hydroxide and I've also been on the LME lithium committee as the inaugural chair for the last three and a half years so it's been a phenomenal journey but really my move to global lithium was triggered on the back of a few things and and like you I've been a hard rock guy all my life and I think hard rock has a, has a massive role to play in the future supply of lithium but I could see a real good opportunity of changing the guard and the power sort of moving back to the raw material producers and particularly those based in, you know, really stable, secure jurisdictions like Western Australia. So Global Lithium offered me a role 
uh, as an ED uh, originally coming onto the board. It was an opportunity too good to refuse. I'd always been keen to get back into grassroots spodumain. And, and this company had two, two wonderful assets that had great prospectivity, fantastic team, great board. And the opportunity to lead that company, it's something I've always been passionate about leadership. And I found my way into the managing director role as of June last year, and I've loved every minute since. So it's been an incredible ride. We've had a massive year. 2022 was a huge year for the company, developing two resources. We had an exploration campaign that culminated in a really significant resource upgrade in December of last year. And across both projects, we've moved our total resource base up to 50.7 million tonnes at 1%. And there's more to come this year. We've got enough now to get started as far as development. So uh, we've we've just recently announced scoping study results for, for our MANA project that currently has a resource of 32.7 million tonnes. And there's a lot of upside ahead in terms of additional exploration and resource upgrades across both our MANA project and our Marble Bow project uh, here in Western Australia. Okay, we're going to go into that scoping study in a second, but uh, just uh, to go back to the uh, Talazin and when Rockwood bought it, just uh, to put things in perspective, uh, they, they paid uh, about a billion dollars. <laughs> Both Tangji and then Rockwood overbid a little bit. There was a little bit of a bidding war, but uh, that joint venture, which is you know the highest grade, you know best asset in the world, you know lithium or spodumene prices have grown from three hundred dollars to six thousand. You know the valuation of uh, Talazin probably has increased, you know, by similar magnitude. But mm. we talk about our our RK lithium scoreboard is the, the land of you know ten or twelve unicorns right you know billion dollar market cap companies of pre-production companies so it's been an exciting ride to be involved you know in the industry you know along along this way but uh we're really just getting started in our opinion so yeah why don't you go through a scoping study but I'll, before doing that you raised 29 million dollars at a dollar 35 maybe 18 months ago or in april i think you said of 2021 and then you raised another mm -hmm. 121 million dollars at $2.25. Minres, Mineral Resources, who shareholding of ours, we've talked a lot, uh, you know, world-class company, very prominent, Albemarle partner, et cetera, and Ganfing partner. Uh, they came on the share register for 5% initially, but have sin since increased, I think, on market and, and possibly through some additional placements and, and now own 9.7%. If you could talk about that relationship over the course of this interview, that would be great. But price today is $1.73. You just put out a scoping study with an NPV, you know, approaching $3 billion Aussie. So talk about the scoping study and talk about what you think is going on in the market in Western Australia, because we've talked a lot about Quebec and Canada as being, you know, the new shiny penny and having a fantastic future, you know, but Western Australia has a great past, present you know, mm. and still future. And, you know, we've been associated with Kidman, you know, Altura, you know, Pilbara, Core, Liontown out there. You know, there's a long line of successful Western Australian hard rock developers. There's not that many now that are as advanced, you know, as you are. So we see a little bit of a market disconnect. Yeah, look, that's a really good point you raise. And, you know, investor sentiment does vary. I can understand, you know, obviously the interest in the Canadian projects. It's it's a relatively new story in terms of some of those discoveries and some of the results that have been coming to market. But look, the point is that we've been doing this for a long time now here in Western Australia, and we've got this incredible, I call it an ecosystem of expertise, and it relates not only to the assets themselves, but, but 
but all the infrastructure, the logistic service providers, the laboratories, the metallurgical expertise, the contractor experience, all of those things that matter in terms of getting product out of the ground, processed and to market. Um, this is our bread and butter here in Western Australia. This is something we do exceptionally well and have done for many, many years and will continue to do for many years. Yeah, look, in terms of our scoping study, we understand we've, we've had an incredible journey. We were the best performing IPO on the ASX back in 2021. We're still a young company. We only listed in May of 2021. So we're not even two years old yet um, as a listed entity. So there has been a lot of shareholders who have been with us since that those early days and uh, have obviously done very well out of, uh, out of the company as well in terms of our performance. So I guess for us announcing the scoping study really signals a big quite a significant milestone in the company's evolution. We're moving from advanced explorer into development. And we we understand there's a very significant prize for the next major producer. And we want to be part of that. We've got a brilliant shareholder register, two, two really important strategic partners on our register, of course. So there's OTNA, a partner that's been with us since since day one and a very important partner in terms of their controlling shareholding of Yubin Tan Li in China. This entity has more than 110,000 tonnes of lithium hydroxide processing capacity, so a really important partner. And of course, Mineral Resources, a company that's peerless really in terms of their activities here in Western Australia, both from the upstream and all the way through to the downstream now. They're, um, they're a very significant player with a wonderful reputation, been an incredible partner to us. So they've increased their position at every opportunity and we're very thankful and grateful. But clearly there's some synergies there as well in terms of our assets and their assets up in the Pilbara. Of course, our Marvel Bar project is located very nearby the Wajana and also the Pilgangora asset. We've got great infrastructure at our disposal. We've got 18 million tonnes of lithium at 1% up in Marble Bar. And, and certainly that's a focus of a very significant exploration campaign this year. We're looking to put about 30,000 metres drilling a combination of RC and Diamond into that asset throughout the course of this year. Got some wonderful prospective targets to the northeast of our existing Archer deposit. So we think there's a lot of really exciting news flow to come out of our Marble Bar campaign this year. And then, of course, Manor, which is, as the crow flies, uh, around 130 kilometres from the Mount Marion asset, which, as we know, is, is joint venture between Gangfeng and Mineral Resources. So those geographical and geological uh, synergies between the MinRes assets and our own, I think, um, are noted. And of course, Mineral Resources has a, an incredible uh, experience on the upstream processing of, of mineral concentrates. So there's, there's a lot to unpack there and there's a lot of synergy and we'll certainly look to leverage that at the appropriate time. But yeah, getting back to our scoping study, I mean, we're thrilled with this announcement. This is a, a, a piece of work that's been delivered over the last sort of four or five months. Importantly, when we look at costings in a, in a current high inflation environment, we're really mindful of the CapEx numbers. So we interrogated these numbers really, really critically. And importantly, you, you know, because the guys are active in a current spodumene project down at Greenbushes, our CapEx estimate, we've got a lot of confidence around it because it's based on Q1 2023 pricing. Um, they haven't just pulled these numbers off a database that's six months old. So just touching on the highlights from the scoping study, we've got a nameplate run of mine of 2 million tonnes of ore, an estimated production, uh, annual production of 220,000 tonnes uh, of a 5.5% lithium oxide concentrate. The focus for us here is throughput. And there's probably only one company in the world that can reliably produce a 6% con on a consistent basis, and that's Grain Bushes. But what we do know, how is that the market can tolerate and, and certainly is more than willing to purchase a 5.5% con. So our focus here is on throughput, recovery, and getting as much product out the back end of the plan as possible. 
project delivers around the financials of pre-tax NPV um, with an 8% discount rate of 2.8 billion uh, Australian dollars and an IRR of 103% and a payback of 15 months. So we think those are really exceptional, um, exceptional uh, outcome. The mine life at the moment is 10 years. We um, we feel there's options to extend the mine life through through the feasibility study. I'll sort of touch on next steps in a minute. But And the average uh, life of mine OPEX is incredibly um, competitive on a global basis at around 600 and, um, 688 uh, US dollars a tonne. And the CapEx for this build uh, minus the pre-strip is around 419 million Australian dollars. And it's assuming a, a life of mine spodumene price of 2,500. And that is based on Fast Market's average forecast price looking forward from 2026 to 2032. But even if we did consider a lower spodumene price, this this is still very much an economic project and we've got some incredible financials. So, yeah, we're thrilled. We're absolutely thrilled. The team's done a wonderful job. Firstly, delivering an, an exceptional exploration campaign last year, which culminated in this really significant resource upgrade. And and now we're moving through scoping. And the next big step for us is to segue directly into feasibility. So we've got a feasibility study that will kick off next month. We've got four contractors at the table at the moment. We're looking to receive the tenders, um, the proposals back uh, early next month, probably two or three weeks to negotiate a preferred bidder. And, and we'll get started officially on um, the back end of March. So the DFS, we're looking to deliver an oil reserve to market in Q3 as part of a PFS. And then we'll be announcing the results of the DFS later on this year. So there's a lot to look forward to. We've got a metallurgical test program as well that's uh, ongoing, has commenced. So there's a lot going on at the moment. The company's incredibly busy, but we're recruiting a wonderful team, a really high performance team, and we're soon to onboard a full-time CFO. So that's a piece of news to, to watch out for. So, uh, you know, very exciting time. And uh, yeah, we're in a wonderful position having the two projects, of course. So Ron, if we have a look at, you know, where the project is located, we had a Brief chat earlier. Esperance is well known. That port all geared up to take additional volume and ship for you when the time comes. Yeah, look, absolutely. As part of the initial scoping, we did a full a full logistics study as part of that. And at this stage, we're looking. It'll be an open pit mine. So first and foremost, it's an open pit. Something I've got a, a lot of experience with. Open pit mining here in Western Australia. It's our bread and butter. So we'll be open pitting. We'll be loading. Uh, via front-end loaders onto open containers, tank-top containers. There's a rail siding to the south of us, about 13 kilometres at Coroni, and then we'll we'll load those containers across to Kalgoorlie, and then we'll rail the cargo down to Esperance, and we'll be loading out of Berth 4. So that is the current uh, logistics pathway. We'll be loading into small to, to mid-sized, handy-sized vessels, so anywhere between 30 and 36,000 deadweight um, out of uh, Berth 4 in Esperance. And just looking at the strip ratios in the scoping study, I see you looking to use mining contractors. Yeah, we will. Um, and and again, this is just a scoping study. So when I say it's just a scoping study, it's quite a detail. There's a lot of work has gone into this this program, but certainly there's some options around. I mentioned ore sorting earlier, and that'll certainly potentially decrease the the um, strip ratio. We think just by way of throughput, greater throughput, but certainly. You know, th there's a number of work streams will run during the feasibility study, which will look to improve both the economics and make this plan as efficient as possible. And just, in, in, I guess, a, a broader outlook for, for global lithium, your thoughts on 
where the company is going as a vision is mm -hmm. to something like an intermediate downstream product or a chemical refining, you know, possibly in the future? Or is it spodumin concentrate for you guys going mm -hmm. forward? Yeah, look, I started as a, as a spodumin guy, have been a spodumin guy for many years, but I've also spent six years selling chemicals in a whole range of form, lithium carbonate, lithium hydroxide, both technical battery grade, lithium chloride, and of course, lithium metal. So, you know, clearly there's advantages to become vertically integrated. There's very strong incentives out there now um, to, 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 to go downstream. So certainly that's something we'll look at. We have got partners that we can, we can work with to fulfill those downstream aspirations. So what we are looking to do, Rodney, as part of our feasibility, once that kicks off in Q2, we'll look to undertake a separate scoping study to look at optionality around either producing a midstream intermediary product, such as a lithium sulfate, or going all the way downstream. I mean, there's just phenomenal interest in the sector, as, as, as you guys know well. And we think becoming vertically integrated certainly gives us far more strength in terms of negotiating, but also captures the value on the downstream side of the, that lithium business and brings us closer to our customers ultimately. So we'll absolutely be looking at that. And Ron, so you, you've got a further exploration program if you can, if you're allowed, how, you know, it, it looks like there's much more potential. Can you give an idea of mm. how big the manor resource can get? Yeah, well, the sky's the limit. I mean, it's, it's, it's open to the northeast and to the southwest and at depth. So just bear in mind that this is the first major exploration campaign we've undertaken in 2022. And we're thrilled with the results. I mean, we really are. We've got an economic project at the end of that initial campaign. But, but like all projects and all lithium projects before us, there's more to come. Absolutely. We'll continue drilling this thing. But gone are the days, Rodney, where we need to deliver 100 million or 150 million tonne resource before we hit the go button on development. Time is of the essence. Our focus is on, we think we've got a project that, and, and the scoping study's proven it, we've got a project that, that makes economic sense to, to develop now. But certainly on the back of our exploration activities this year, combination of infield drilling, there'll be a number of resource upgrades over the next sort of 12 to 18 months. We think we can add some significant tonnes to this asset. Um, and potentially also increase the grade as well, which will just improve the, the, the total economics and ultimately extend the, the life of mine. Yeah, so that was my next question. So if you grow, obviously, if you move more up into measured and indicated, you know, and, and expand the resource, would you look to increase throughput or would you look to increase mine life or both? Yeah, well, ideally both, but we are mindful that, you know, and for example, you know, even on the back of this scoping study, we've got more than 70% of the total resource now is in the indicated classific classification. So uh, for the first seven years, we're going to be mining just an indicated resource. So that gives us incredible confidence, but certainly a combination of throughput, more tons on the back end. And, and obviously getting some more, more, more years out of the life of minor key. But even at 10 years, I mean, this project stacks up on a, on, on a financial basis. But look, if we can add sort of another two to five years and potentially more, then certainly this, this, this project, well, it is already world-class in our view, but, but certainly it will be very much front and centre on, on the global stage. And, and, and look, I only have to, to look at the, the discussions we're having at the moment on the downstream side of things. And there's some incredible discussions. You know, I talked about the, the MPV and the discount rate earlier. You know, my expectation is there'll be capital prepays associated with our project funding. It's not going to be traditional, you know, um, project finance. There'll be a portion of equity, we think, but we're, we're mindful around dilution for our existing shareholders. So, 
you're going to see some very creative structures, commercial structures to, to how we, we fund this going forward. And I think we're already seeing that playing out. I mean, some of the announcement recently, that's the type of deal you can expect from us when we do announce. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, minimize uh, shareholder dilution. And, you know, we've seen the RA in the US has made a big difference. And, you know, LG has stepped in looking for volume. They've signed something with Piedmont. Are you seeing a substantial amount of increased interest in spodumant concentrate from ex-China buyers? Yeah, I really have. And it, it's not a recent trend, Rodney, to be honest. I've been having these discussions pretty much since I, I joined Global um, about a year ago. And the interest is coming really on a global basis. Inquiries from Japan, Korea, Europe, China, of course, very strong interest, and also the US, and more recently, even from Indonesia. So the world is moving. It's no longer just a China story. There's very strong demand segments being created across the globe now. And that's what makes me very bullish, stronger for longer in terms of the pricing dynamic. And I think we all know, and you guys, I think, cover it very eloquently in terms of your understanding of how hard it is to get projects up. Generally, they're delayed. There isn't this, this incredible wealth of expertise as it relates to lithium. And lithium is different. Um, that is a fact. As much as people talk about comparable experience in other commodities, lithium is different. Every ore body is different. Every brine is different. So... I won't steal your thunder there. You guys have done a brilliant job of communicating that, I think, to investors over, over many years. But um, I'm in 100% agreement with you. And for that reason, I really see this market remaining tight for, um, for, for quite a considerable period. And just on that, I think one thing, if you could, which is also helpful for viewers to get an understanding of how they should value and how one you know does a price to NPV and assessment is... The permitting process for this project in Western yeah. Australia, and then you know they can draw their comparisons to other jurisdictions. What's the sort of timeline for for getting this up and running? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, and I think approvals, environmental, native title, heritage, this is critical path, and will be for most projects. Again, you've documented the situation in other parts of the world really well, and what I can say about Western Australia, it's um. It's process driven here. We've got a community that that really understands and works quite collaborative, collaboratively in that space. And, and certainly it's quite a sophisticated process and well understood both at the community level, the mining level, but also at the government level. So provided you, you have the right approach, you have early engagement, you do the right thing importantly, and you're genuine about getting a, a desired outcome with the communities you're working with. Then generally, you know, your project will be successful. But we've embarked on our approvals process. We're underway, both Enviro and, and that native title piece. And it's typically, you know, an 18-month journey here. So I can only speak for, for our experiences here in Western Australia, but I know it takes considerably longer in other parts of the world. So um, you mentioned 2026, so roughly in terms of a timeline, approvals, you know, DFS, approvals by next year, and then and then what sort of time frame for build and then to start operating? Yeah, um, so just sort of we're finished scoping now. We're segueing directly into DFS. Those tender documents went out last week. So uh, the DFS will wrap up in Q4 this year. We'll obviously do some initial, some of the initial trials and metallurgical work will be ongoing. 
probably do some front-end engineering design early next year. Approval's ongoing, you know, probably hopefully having those in place by the middle of next year. As I said, it's an 18-month journey. Uh, FID soon thereafter will have civils and some of those long lead items ordered throughout the course of next year. Typically a two-year build. For a, for a run of mine of 2 million tonnes, I think you're, you're looking at about two, mil, uh, two years. And then a commissioning ramp of six to nine months. Again, this isn't our first rodeo here in Western Australia in terms of plant design. This will, this will represent the fifth generation of, of lithium beneficiation process plant built in Western Australia. So there's some incredible learning, some amazing IP that's at our disposal. So the whole EPC contracting methodology as well be, be worked through as part of the DFS. So yeah, we're on a trajectory to have first spodumene concentrate production in, in 2026 and certainly talking to potential downstream um, partners, that 2026 timing is a, is a real sweet spot. Yeah, I mean, looking at your price tech, 2,500 is, is above what I have on, on 2030, but it's certainly below what I have between 2026 and 2030, 2031. So I think it's six of one, half a dozen of another. But uh, certainly, as things stand, likely lots of money to be made around that time horizon. Yeah, no, we, we agree. And uh, I think one thing's for sure, we've all got price assumptions and price forecasts and even the best of us, the most knowledgeable of us, are probably all going to be wrong. It's either going to be higher or lower or somewhere in between, but that's the beauty of price forecasting. But look, all we've done is look at a PRA that that is has an international reputation and, and we've taken the sting out of coming up with a price. That's their number, not ours. But look, we'll certainly... As I said, the the um, tornado sensitivity analysis we've done around pricing in general shows that even on the lower end of the pricing, this project stacks up. Yeah, I know for sure. I'm sure if you were to offer fixed pricing at 2500 in 2026, it bites your hand off. So um, it shouldn't be a problem. Okay, that's great, Ron. Just outside of the scoping study, you know, the second project, you said exploration, marble bar, what's the sort of, that's phase two? Yeah, well, this, I mean, this is the beauty of the company. There, there aren't many companies out there. We own sort of two of only 14 JORT compliant lithium resources currently in Australia. And it's hard to get to JORT compliance. You know, it's not easy. Exploration, as we all know, comes with risk and there's no guarantees you're going to get an economic resource. So we, we have two. So our focus at Marble Bar, and this is where the, there's massive upside for the company. You know, we're only two 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 drill holes off having another potentially significant resource in Marble Bar. So um, yeah, we've got about thirty thousand meters planned there. So there's, there's more to come. Certainly, that's a huge huge land package. Our tenancy up around Marble Bar is very significant. So we've only really drilled a very small fraction of the total land package. And yeah, we're really optimistic what, what Marble Bar can deliver. And I guess that's the beauty as an investor. Whilst we're under development, we're going ahead with Manor. There's more to come in terms of exploration upside at Manor, but we've got this sleeper up at Marble Bar that, that could be anything. You're well cashed up, uh, Ron. So, you know, in terms of potential new shareholders, you know, there's this no issuance to come. So the market's the only place people can get equity. Is that fair to say? Well, it is. It is. Um, you're right. We've got, you know, 76 mil in the bank as of uh, 31 December last year. And, you know, we've we've got a lot of work ongoing. There's, there's, we're going to spend it in the ground. It's where our shareholders want to see it, sort of adding value to the company and the project. So, but look, you never know what's around the corner. You know, we've got a, a very ambitious board and, you know, if there's a, the right M&A opportunity presents itself, then that's something 
we'll certainly take a look at. We we don't just think that we can only play in in, in an M and A space. That's we look at our cash balance and our market cap. We think with various partners that we have and relationships we have within the industry, we can play in a much bigger sphere. But it has to be value creative, clearly. Well, the name Global Lithium can't just be uh, confined to Western Australia, can it? <laughs> well, global by name, global by nature. That's right. We've, we've got big plans. We want to take our story globally, not just from an asset position, but from an investor position, most importantly. And we think we've got a wonderful story. We've got a project that stacks, stacks up. We've got a fantastic team, a team with experience in our board collectively of more than 150 years of resource experience here in Western Australia. And we've delivered close to $100 billion in projects. So we've got a, a big heavyweight board and the prize is a big one, as we all know, to get into development and production. So that is our absolute ambition. And Western Australia, unlike a lot of th things in Canada, you know, has, has proved to be focused on getting into production, not just, you know, uh, let's say mining the markets. I, I have a few more questions just before we wrap up. You have a lot of research coverage for a company so soon out of the gate. I think you have five brokers covering you. Could you just talk about that briefly? Yeah, yeah, really pleased. You know, it's all non-paid research. Yeah. So Macquarie is covering us. I've also got Baron Joey, uh, Canaccord. Shoreham Partners and Argonaut Securities. Um, so yeah, really pleased with, with the companies that are covering us. Um, price targets are, I think, between two ninety and three ninety in that sort of range, and we've currently got a share price of a dollar seventy three. Good value at the moment. Right. Well, it's cheap relative to those target prices. Also cheap relative to your last financing at two twenty five. You know, there's been some speculation. We don't believe it, you know, that Minres might come into Patriot, I think, like Pilbara. You know, if anyone's going to come in, you know, from Western Australia, Pilbara's articulated. They do want to, you know, make some acquisitions as you have and otherwise. But I, I just, you know, Chris Ellison, in my observation as a shareholder for five years or so in, in Minres, is he's, he's not someone who, one, he's, he's mostly in Western Australia. He's in you. So I don't believe the speculation, you know, on on Patriot there, you know, if it if it's anyone, I think it could be Pilbara. But I do see some risk because uh, Chris Ellison is opportunistic. I think he's doing this with Norwest Energy. I mean, you know, he could put in a bid for your whole company with his 9.7% stake at this um, at this discounted price. So do you have any like protections in place to, you know, being picked off early? Oh, look, I think all we can do as a company is get on and develop. And, and that's that's really what we're doing. We've got a great team and um, we've got so, a number of work streams. And that's really our focus is, is just to develop. I can't really comment on what other companies may or may not be considering in, in regards to that. But certainly I think we're a, we've got a lot of upside ahead of us. We've only just started our journey and, and we're delivering. You know, that's important. We're hitting milestones. We've got very, very realistic intentions but we're incredibly ambitious as well. So um, what will come will come, but but certainly our focus is on development and, and becoming a producer. To, to the point on the marble bar, like very often, you know, the Pierre Lassonde, we talk about this a lot, like companies that are going into production get a re-rating and, and they have like that exploration phase where, you know, there's all that excitement. But in between, when you're in development, you know, the, the stock sometimes, you know, has, has a period of just drifting. So that might be what's happening with Mana, but people aren't paying attention to the marble bar exploration. So, you know, that, that is definitely something to 
to watch. Just on, on a sort of concluding, I saw you fast markets in Arizona. You were here in North America. I haven't seen you since other than on Zoom. So I think you've been uh, focused, you know, in WA. Just from a marketing perspective, you know, where where are you? And yeah, obviously this is fresh news. We're, we're privileged to, uh, you know, be, I think, your, your first significant interview on the back of the Scoping mm-hmm. Study News. Uh, you are a client of ours, just uh, again, for... I forgot to uh, disclaim, you know, nothing you're hearing is financial advice, but we've been working with you kind of since September uh, of last yep. year. Uh, but we, we plan to introduce you to some investors here in North America when you're around. But uh, what, what's the next couple of months look like from a, a marketing perspective? Yeah, really busy. A lot going on. I was at a conference uh, this week, RAU conference here in, in, in Perth and another one next month. I'm doing a roadshow actually next week over the East Coast, but absolutely got plans to get into the US. I think it's an incredible, a very important market for us. We, um, I think we're not that well understood, our company and our intentions and, 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 and most importantly, the quality of our projects. But but absolutely, we've got big plans to, to, to market in the US and also in Europe. But yeah, we'll definitely be across for the Fast Markets event in June and probably a second trip in the second half. So, yeah, really look forward to the US. I've, I've spent a lot of time traveling in the US over you know 25-year period and, yeah, looking forward to, to getting back in and um, meeting some old friends. Uh, well, we look forward to seeing you at Fast Markets in Vegas this year. You know, it'll, it'll be good to see you there. And the path of companies before you from, you know, Mount Catlin with Galaxy, now Allcam, and Mount Marion, and Minres, and Neo Metals, and then Kidman, Pilbara, Altura, you know, Liontown, Core. You know, there's no other companies that are like on our scoreboard, I think, that are at your stage of development that uh, are, are as investable. So I think like North American investors or, or anyone who missed or, or played in, in those other stories it, it it should be replicated right western australia as chris ellison said it's the, the most get exactly what i said if you own your own rock you're god but he also said it's great jurisdiction you can get you know politically palatable the country loves rocks and you can get permitted and become source of supply it doesn't have all of the uh challenges of other jurisdictions so with that, and you you have a great board, you say, and you have good shareholders, uh, well cashed up, and you know you're a very competent CEO. With not not that many CEOs have as much experience in the lithium industry as you do. You're a lithium industry insider. Most people, you know, mm-hmm. even Ken Brinson came from the outside. So great talking to you, Ron, and I look forward to continue following the story. And we'll see you soon in North America. Thanks, Howard. Look, great pleasure to catch up, and yeah, look forward to having a beer with you soon. Thanks again.